everybody and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne and I'm joined as always uh, by Mr George Cogan and Mr Chris Woff. How are we doing lads? Yes, okay, thank you. Yes, not too bad at all, thank you. Straight to the point, George, that's what I like to hear. And also this week, uh, coming on especially uh, because we're going to be talking about the Newcastle United Supporters Trust election later on, is Mr Alex Hurst from True Faith. Hi Alex, how are you doing? Hi Taylor, I'm good, thanks yourself. I'm not bad, mate. All the better for hearing your voice. How's your beard? Is it still luxurious as it was the last time we seen you? It's trimmed. I feel naked without <sighs> it. <laughs> You've let all down, mate. You've let us yeah. all down. Bless you. Well, thanks for coming on anyway, mate, and giving up your time. We do, we really do appreciate it. We've got lots and lots to talk about. Okay. I mean, Alex, clearly, Alex, an answer there, Alex, but... Alex, Alex clearly doesn't, so um, so that's fine. It's going to be a very short podcast this week. That's all right. Yeah. Let's just put Van Halen on instead. There we go. All right, there we go. If ever there's a bit of dead air or a bit of silence and someone doesn't know what to do, I'm just going to play that. Is that okay? Cool. It hasn't been a problem so far in the last <laughs> 10 months or whatever it's been, but yeah, carry on. Oh, excellent. Well, the uh, transfer window has slammed shut uh, trapping Steve Bruce's uh, sausage fingers in the process. How do we feel about all that, chaps? Chris, what do you reckon? Good transfer window for Newcastle or not? I mean, technically, it's still open. No, domestically. Don't technically. No, but Just, I mean, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle could still buy and sell players domestically. They can't with other Premier League clubs. I've had a few people asking me this. So they are allowed still until the 16th of October to trade with other EFL clubs that's mm. buy or sell, but they can't with other Premier League clubs, so it can't be intra-Premier League. But in terms right. of the actual international window, Newcastle did all their business early. Um, I think the business they did was very un-Mike Ashley uh, yeah, era-like in terms of what they did. We've discussed this quite a few times. They actually signed for the positions they needed to strengthen. They signed... Premier League proven quality certainly in, in the form of Callum Wilson and Ryan Fraser and also uh, at left back and Jamal Lewis someone who certainly has a lot of potential then Jeff Hendrick too I know that a lot of people feel that they've probably left themselves short and I think I'd agree with them but mm. I've been answering a few people uh, about this because I've, I've done a review sort of looking answering the big questions about the window and, and what's happened with the castle and I think that you have with everything and as I keep saying repeatedly on this podcast everything to do with Mike Ashley's Newcastle United, you have to put into context. And so if you put this into context compared to every single window we've had before, essentially, under, under Mike Ashley, I think this is a pretty good window and they've addressed some of the problems. Have they addressed them all? No, but I think it would have been borderline impossible to do that under the Mike Ashley regime in, in, in a single window. So I'd give, I gave it overall a B plus because I think that the... Uh, sorry, I gave it a, a B. I mean, I didn't B, ask I you for a grade, but fair enough. But, well, that's what I added up. piece. No, I think I was... <laughs> sorry, it was, it was B plus for incomings and then uh, it, it lowered a bit because they've just failed to offload everyone, which is a problem yeah. a lot of clubs have had. But essentially, I think yeah. in terms of income business, pretty positive. How about you, George? What do we think? overwhelmingly underwhelming or underwhelmingly overwhelming I'm not sure I mean it's sort of it's that thing where we feel vaguely euphoric because Newcastle have behaved like a normal football club and that's a ridiculous situation to to be in really I mean I think they've done well I mean I do think they've done well but they've it's also kind of the bare minimum that they needed to do so it's mm. it's that sort of strange um, kind of dilemma in the head I think yeah, as we said before, the people they brought in, they're all upgrades, theoretically. Um, they all make the team stronger, so that's good. We shouldn't forget that they've all come from relegated clubs. Um, yeah. But my concern is that the transfer deadline day was just a, yet a, you know just another day for Newcastle, as it always is every every year. And 
I think they have left themselves short or they could very easily leave themselves short. I'd hate to think what happens if Callum Wilson picks up a, any yeah. kind of significant injury. That would be um, you know, that would be a real cause of concern and they are skinny in other in other areas. So it feels kind of underwhelming in the way that it ended. Um, but I'm very pleased that they did what they did. And as Chris says, it's very, very unlike Mike Ashley. What they need to do is then go on in January and behave sensibly again. That would be really good. I mean, to actually have two sort of positive transfer windows in a row. I can't fault them on what they've done. Um, I don't think it's transformative. I think it's evolution, but... Um, no, I think they've done okay. I mean, Alex, we've uh, you know we're, we're pretty short in a few places. There's a bit of a lack of squad depth there, but it's not the worst window we've had under Mike Ashley's uh, stewardship, is it? Oh, definitely not the worst. You know, we went <laughs> what four windows without signing a player or something <laughs> uh, on a permanent deal. And funnily enough, uh, Luke De Jong didn't cut it when brought in uh, late in January 14 of an hour. That was, but but like the lads have said, there it was fine, wasn't it? It was. You can't get yeah. too annoyed by it, can you? It's fine. A lot like Newcastle United at the minute, it's not going to push us on to do anything transformative like George said or magical this season. But you know what? It's, uh, <laughs> you know, low expectations and all that means that yeah, you can be quite easily yeah. surprised and satisfied by the uh, the simplest of acquisitions. <laughs> yeah. It's mad, isn't it, when they buy a strike and you go, oh, that's what that's like. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. I remember paying yeah, and, and- 20 million pound plus for a striker. Well, there are simple pleasures. There are simple pleasures, Taylor. And I mean, we're so we're kind of so used to stupid things happening. I mean, you 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 do now get just a little bit of joy about watching Callum Wilson run around and be, run around in the right place and know what he's doing. And, being a striker yeah. and being a striker. I mean, I thought that at the end of the season when Dwight Gale came in, it was suddenly, oh yeah, that's that's what a centre forward does. Yeah. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not attempting, you know, that's not sort of being critical of Jalinton. It's certainly criti- being critical of what he was being asked to do. It was good to see, you know, against Burnley, him being asked to do something else and doing it a little bit better. Um, but no, having the right people in the right places is, again, it's a sort of, it's a bare minimum that you'd ask ask for, but um, hooray, a centre forward. Someone who can I mean, score it's, goals. It sounds like a really basic idea, doesn't it? Having the right people in the right places. But you'd be surprised how often that get away gets away from Newcastle. You better play Van Halen again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, George, I was expecting you to continue then. You didn't. Uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest, from my point of view, I was actually pleasantly surprised. And I, like, like Alex is saying, I, I think it was actually slightly above expectations which is really shit isn't it when you're a Newcastle fan and the the expectation is the bare minimum that's kind of like oh it's really depressing but at the same time I thought you know I thought Callum Wilson's the type of signing we've needed for a long time um and another striker because Dwight Gale bless him has been been with us for a while now and he's been the only real striker that we've had in that time Callum Wilson coming in I thought was a good signing um, the Ryan Fraser signing I was was the one I was the most excited about, and I still think he's going to be a big player for us once he gets his fitness up and and finds his feet. And the Jamal Lewis one I thought was an excellent signing as well. Jeff Hendrick, I'm still we'll wait and see about him, but I th- I think he's been a decent uh, a decent acquisition so far. He's 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 put a shift in, and his versatility's really shone through, hasn't it, Chris? Oh, it has, and and yes, he's. I think we've spoken about him quite a lot on the podcast that he's not 
Mr. Exciting by any stretch of the imagination. And he's not. He, he isn't going to dominate a game. He isn't going to be the one who who makes the, the killer pass. Who or really who who captures the headlines, but. He's he's certainly someone who Steve Bruce seems to have liked already. He's, he's featured in every single game so far. He's been used in a couple of different positions centrally and, and further out yeah. while he wants to play centrally. And so he gives them a bit more versatility. I mean, I do think ideally, and what Bruce wants long-term is, is a bit more legs in midfield. He wants some power in there. Uh, I mentioned last week, I think that they still need someone who can who can recycle possession a lot better in midfield. They've got... Hayden, who gives they've got Hayden, who obviously is is the crucial one there. But John Joe Shelby, I'm just not convinced long term is the answer. Certainly not if it's going to be four two three one. I just don't think he has the discipline to play in that position. But it, it's interesting when we talk about when Newcastle are short now. Everyone mentions centre back. Everyone mentions uh, up front. Now, what I would say about the up front one is that yes, they're probably. They are still short, but they actually did sign a striker this summer. They didn't lose any forwards other than letting Muto go. And a few people say, well, why did they let Muto go? But last season, even when they didn't have a centre forward for most of the season, he didn't play Yoshinori Muto. So he wasn't yeah. going to play Yoshinori Muto this season. Then at centre back, it just seems bizarre that a club who's had six centre backs for the last few years, yes, they've let Florian and Jern go out on loan, but they're still in theory have five centre backs. And they just never fit. The five of them yeah. just never fit at the same time. You, you can only stockpile so many centre backs. And ideally, they would have liked one and they looked like they were going to get Rob Hull and that was close until Arsenal pulled it but I do think that all things considered it was it was a decent enough window as George said it wasn't something to get excited about but this is the context of Mike Ashley's Newcastle United yeah I mean on Hendrick I've seen kind of a lot of people talk about him not playing well against Burnley and I don't particularly think he did play brilliantly but I thought he was important against Burnley and I think this is something that you do have to consider when you when you sort of look at a team and how it sets up that when you're playing against a team of very tall physical people, which Burnley are, um, you need a bit of that in return. And he does have a physical presence. He does have energy. And yeah. yes, he uh, you know people are asking questions about Miguel Almiron and why he's not in the sort of team, but. Hendrick does offer something else, and you do need somebody who can who can who can do that sort of who who can who can sort of be big. I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but um, I think that's part of you know, and that's going to be one of the interesting things going forward. And we've already seen this kind of really impassioned uh, debate, including you know, coming from the manager himself about what how the team gets set up, what his big idea is, is there a big idea, and are the players capable of implementing it? But that is part of building a team. It's not necessarily just putting all the people you expect on the pitch at the at the same time and asking them to to perform. It's about it's it is about that tactical discipline and asking people to do sort of do different jobs. Uh, I'm interested to know what Alex thinks about Hendrik. Actually, I mean, but as for the, as for, yeah. as for the rest as for the rest of it. I'll go back to what I said before. It's sort of it's it was startlingly unstartling by doing what they've done by using the domestic market by getting p- players from other Premier League clubs. They've done something which in the past we probably would have complained about them not being imaginative enough. But this was not a window to be imaginative. It was a window to be sensible, and they've done it. And so that feels that feels astonishing because it's Mike Ashley's Newcastle. How are you feeling about the uh, the new signings, Alex? How have they how have they fitted in and how have they performed so far? They've all they've all shone, haven't they? Which is great, and it's been a bit of a mixed bag from not just them but the the team. But just to agree with what George was saying there about Saturday and Henrik, you look at Burnley's left side, which was Dwight McNeil and Charlie Taylor. You know, we were speaking to some Burnley fans before the game, and they were saying, you know, if our left side doesn't perform, 
we don't perform, and then you kind of think, oh dear, we've got Emil Kraft and Jeff Henrik <laughs> yeah. down our down our right to counter their left, and and in fact, you know, I'm as critical as Steve Bruce as anyone, but that really neutralised them. And they hardly got any balls in the box compared to you know Burnley's game plan. We all know is just get the ball in to the yeah. two big lads, and you know Henrik, he's 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 going to have those games where, like George says, actually it's it's probably more what the opposition can't do than what Jeff Henrik does do. And that's not particularly sexy, is it? It's not kind of the kind of thing that's going to make anyone buy a Jeff Henrik shirt, but it might win us some points in the Premier League this season. What I like about Henrik is I just I could be being really harsh, and I just probably think he's quite nasty and dirty. He looks like he's not afraid to put a foot in. He's in the ref's face, that kind of thing. And the, particularly under the previous manager, there was always that um, accusation that oh, we're too nice. I think yeah. players like Jeff Henrik probably move us on a little bit away from that. So... Yeah, he he he's had a good start, fantastic contribution against West Ham, and you know Callum Wilson. What can you say? What is it? Uh, three league goals now. Um, yeah, three three league goals, and we're going to count the one in the the League Cup of Pen as well, just for just for his sake. So four <laughs> goals for Newcastle, and he he's making other players look better. So I'll give you Alison yeah. Maximan, and, and yeah. you know you lads on the podcast last season, and everyone said great player, maybe needs a little bit more end product. I don't think St. Maximan gets the assist and the ball doesn't go in the box if Callum Wilson doesn't sign Absolutely for Newcastle because yeah. there's, there's yeah. no one there to play the ball to. And where he was accused last season a little bit of holding it onto it too long or trying to beat too many players, it's because he would he would get ahead of play. He'd, he'd, he'd sprint those nobody, 30, 40 yards. Nobody there, like, yeah. How are lads? Where, where are you? Yeah. So, yeah, really positive impact from the, the lot of them so far, Taylor. It's four league goals, I think. Oh, wow. Four league goals, yeah. Callum Wilson was wonderful, wasn't he, on, on Saturday? Trust Chris to bring everyone down with his facts. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, and just to prove just anything with facts, Chris. I've told you well, that before. I'll, I'll try my best. As much as Donald <laughs> Trump wants to stop me, I'll try my best. But um, at the at the game on Saturday, we in the press box. We we weren't in the press box again. We have been moved back up to to the uh, the actual boxes themselves, and so you get that sort of tactical view. Mm. And watching Callum Wilson, as George was mentioning earlier, just actually having. The proper centre forward, the runs that he makes, the the the, f- the first goal, the way that he sets that up, and I know you, I know it was argued on TV, it was a foul, and maybe it was, but just being just the cuteness to be able to do that, the the knowledge. I mean, the Burnley to be able player to needs to be stronger there, Chris. I, yeah, I, I, I know I mean, people I are saying foul, but the lad folded like a you know he he just went down like a deck of cards. It was terrible. I, I agree with you, and it's the sort of thing that a striker tries, and maybe maybe you do yeah. get a foul given against you, but then every now and again you don't, and that created the space for. Don't get me wrong, Sam Maximan had so much to do and did it brilliantly, but. Just having him leading the line, and then that he, as, as Alex mentioned before, he's just there to, to 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 tap the ball in when there's what a brilliant cross it was for the second goal. But that's the fact that there is someone in the box to meet to be on the end of that, and it's it just it, he really has been transformative. It maybe wasn't a transformative window, but he is transformative because yeah. he is a proper centre forward, and he seems to be relishing playing. And, and I mean, a lot of us had a wry smile when he said that he came to Newcastle because he, he thought he was going to get a lot of opportunities and they'd create chances from. I, I was amongst those who sort of like, what, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but, he clearly but, hadn't watched those play. <laughs> but, but but I mean, he's he's basically been proven correct to a certain degree already. I know he's mm. basically gobbled up most of the chances he's had. He's missed a couple of headers and he himself came off Saturday saying he was disappointed because he didn't score a hat-trick that is a proper centre forward that is what Newcastle have lacked and that is now what they have and seeing seeing St Maximan play like that again was mm. was just great nice, um, and and kind of a relief I suppose he was kicked from pillar to post at West Ham it looked like the team sort of had other you know sort of other outlets at West Ham which is good but it's you know you just long for him to stay fit he is going to get targeted but 
the positive thing then is if he gets targeted, then it does it does prevent opportunity it does present other opportunities elsewhere. And so that is the encouraging thing. If you keep St Maximin engaged like that, wow. I mean, that is a proper, proper footballer who can cause cause damage. I mean he was given shitloads of space, which struck me as being a bit strange. But um he took he took full advantage of it. It was just great, great watching him. It was really firing, wasn't it? He? he looked like he really enjoyed himself as well, I thought. It, and it's the first time I think I've seen that this season. And probably was because he got that bit of extra space and he has been kicked all over the, the first few games. But it's nice to see him playing like that with that freedom and, and, and being able to attack the full back and stuff. That assist for the second goal, that was as good as anything I saw all weekend in the Premier League. I don't know about what you guys think about that, but I thought that was an incredible assist. He just ghosted past that fullback like he wasn't even there. It was brilliant. What was fascinating was in his interview on NUSCT TV after the game as well, he basically said something about how uh, he realised at that point, oh, because Burnley had equalised that I needed to go and do something. And I think that's the that's the big thing with Sam Maximum. It's like, if he wants to, he will go and do it. It's, it's, it's now... Yeah, it's now making sure that, that, that they regularly get that from him. And he was the difference on Saturday. But actually, for large parts of the game, he wasn't really in it. But then all of a sudden, he puts it on. And I'm not saying that you're going to get 90 minutes where he completely dominates. But it's making sure that you try and get him doing that as often as you possibly can. Because he suddenly just, as you say, he just absolutely goes to pass him. It was, it was ju- I don't think there are many other players in the Premier League who could have done that and then played that ball. Just just that acceleration and it, it, that, that athletic ability he has. Now, I just want to ask, Alex because Alex I remember a tweet that you put out at some point last season and you said that you thought Sam Maximan was one of the most important players for Newcastle and you said that because also it's not just what he does on the pitch but also in terms of the effect that he can have on supporters can you just expand on what, what you meant by that yeah definitely and a uh, great memory of my tweets there Chris I'm very honoured <laughs> um, but you know it was a great tweet um, as Trump would say but uh, since we're talking about him but yeah I just think it's the fact that there's a couple of things have come out of that number one that he didn't you know the fact that he doesn't have an agent in wherever constantly talking up a move to PSG or constantly putting him in touch first of all he deserves a lot of credit for that because that's what you know whenever we've had a Sissoko or a Kabai or countless players or Laura Remy or something like that that's always been the fear that he's only here for, for a season if at best if, if they can get away with it and it's someone to hang your, hang your hat on, isn't it? How long is it as a Newcastle fan, apart from maybe Salomon Rondon in the latter days under Rafa, where you've kind of coming up to a game, you know if he's playing, you've got a chance. And and you look at that Spurs game, and he was injured. It was almost just before before the the, the dire game had even started. It was like we're going to really struggle today. And Chris, you're right about that ball. And the great thing about Maximan is that he'd actually switched from the left. To the right, so if you're Burnley's two fullbacks on the side, and you're like, "Yes, Jeff Hendrick and Craft Day, what a what a day this is." We might not have much fun going forward, but we're not going to get skinned. I'm not going to get megged. And then all yeah. of a sudden, some Maximum pops up, and you saw that you know, like you said, Taylor, there, the fullback. It was just like it was. He didn't know what oh, to do. He shit himself. He absolutely yeah, so shit himself he, instantly. He was like, "Oh God, what have I done?" He's he's one of those players, the first player in a long, long time, maybe since Halton Ben Arthur, where. You know, you'd think the the children of the northeast are going to want his name on the back yeah. of their shirt. They're going to want to be him in the playground. Like like I was saying before, no one wants to be Jeff Hendrick in the playground. You might need him to win, but no one wants to be him. But St. Max and Man, he, he probably, uh, he, I think he's the most important player at the club at the minute, alongside Callum Wilson. And from what Chris was saying earlier about the transfer window and being maybe short in a few areas, you think if, if those two players were to be injured at the same time, we may as well just award the three points to the other side. Yeah. 
I have to yeah, say, man, the, ch- the Children of the Northeast sounds like one of them mad indie bands that George listens to that nobody's heard of. <laughs> More like T Rex, really? No. Mm, oh, good. Yeah, using musical knowledge there, Chris. That's yeah. not like you. No, um, <laughs> but I think that's I think that's a really important point. It's one of those sorts of esoteric points that you can't kind of quite gra- you can't put your hand around and hold it. But I, th- I think that's important. I mean, there isn't a lot at the club. There hasn't been a lot at the club to to believe in and to 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 expend that to invest that hope. And he is somebody that you can do that with. And then, of course, what you need to happen and hasn't happened in the past is for the club to recognise that and for the club to recognise and grow with players. And as yeah. Alex said, if it was Sissoko, if it was those other players that came to the club, Kabai, Newcastle was a stepping stone. Nobody was hiding that fact. The idea was players came in, played for a couple of years, got sold for more money, got moved on. And if they couldn't move on, sort of voluntarily, they would go on strike because that was the kind of players that they kind of brought in. And so what you want is someone like St Maximum to be made to feel that the club is capable of doing something. And that's the challenge. When I talked about, you know, the challenge is then Newcastle putting a second good window together. That's the point of it. Now, in some ways, this is pie-in-the-sky talk because we know, I mean, it's pie-in-the-sky with Mike Ashley anyway, but it's pie-in-the-sky because of what's what's been happening around the club in terms of being up for sale and so on and so forth. But that's what you want. It's so important to have players like that. Someone who gets you off your feet, someone who, you know, yeah, someone who you can believe in and, and, and put your hope in and put your trust in and put that faith in that he can excite you because that's what football's about. It's that so much of the last three years, four years has been a drag and it's been difficult. And of course, going back further than that too, it's been so difficult to have that feeling of joy going into a, into the stadium, but knowing that there's somebody that can potentially turn it on and excite. I was lucky. I had Beardsley. I had Gaza. Yeah. You know, I had those sort of players. Waddle, even at a time, and for plenty of that time, the club weren't in good shape. But there was always a player that you knew could really, really excite you, and you'd want to be in the playground the day the next day. And you can't really, you can't really exaggerate how important that is for a for a club i used to be i used to be a really boring player in the playground i used to be gavin peacock that's not really exciting is it well, what do you as mean good he, as he, was. He, he was he was a good player he scored goals but he wasn't out flash was he let's be honest he's he's a bit mad now don't you'd want to be him yeah now. he's a yeah, yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Alex, it looks as though Miggy Almiron's going to be the one who kind of makes way here, or is is the sacrificial lamb for uh, for the, that central attacking midfield position where Joe Linton was playing the other night, uh, and also when Andy Carroll gets a game. Is this fair on him? I'm I'm slightly uh, I feel slightly sorry for the lad. I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong. No, he hasn't, and he, he was definitely one of the better players last season. I, I think the manager, like we discussed with Hendrik, like we discussed with Wilson. He's probably in favour of some bigger lads. He wanted to play Andy Carroll, didn't he, um, alongside Callum Wilson. If you're not going to play Andy Carroll, um, Almiron's such a different player. The good news for Miguel Almiron is all our players get injured quite regularly. So his chance <laughs> will come. And if he scores, good news. If he, if he scores 
Steve Bruce has already said if he scores, in fact, even if he doesn't have any shots, if he just plays as well as Andy Carroll did at West Ham, he'll be in the team <laughs> next week. So yeah. stay stay faithful, Miggy. Stay faithful, yeah. What what do we think, George, about Miggy? Do you think he's do you think he's a little bit hard done to here, or do you think it's just horses for courses in this case? Well, I think it I think it has been horses for courses, and I suppose this is maybe to to kind of widen that debate slightly. I mean, one of the things that we've seen uh, in pretty stark form is that debate about formations and tactics and what Steve Bruce's big idea is and we've seen such a sort of dramatic flick between performances like West Ham and Brighton and Spurs Mm. and then Burnley again I mean I'm not saying it's sort of I'm not saying it's astonishing that the difference is but it is pretty marked and you know there is i kind of wrote last week i went down, i went to newport and sort of sat through sat through that and i sort oh, you of you poor me you poor lad thank you well no it's a kind of privilege to be there but you know it's 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 it was also a long fucking long way to go for that shit but um <laughs> yeah. but if you look at the league table steve bruce is doing a great job if you look at twitter he's on the verge of being sacked if you look at the league cup results it could be newcastle's year and if you look at performances, and this is before Burnley, Newcastle are going to get relegated. And we've got all of that kind of stuff going on at the same time around the club. And again, I think that's why it was, I think it's, you know, that becomes important for Steve Bruce to sort of address that. I don't really think he's done it successfully in the way that he's spoken, because that's it's just not the kind of fella he is. It's just not the way he talks about football or, or anything. He's not going to blind you with science. But... There was at least something there against Burnley that you thought, okay, well, yeah, it's very dependent on Wilson and it's very, very dependent on St Maxima, obviously, and he won't play like that every week, I don't think, but you can at least see a semblance of a of a sort of of, of a plan and a shape and a structure and the right personnel. And the interesting thing, I think, is that if you're talking about talented players at the t- at the, at the club, or if I was if I was going to do my formation at the start of the season, Almiron would be in it every week without a shadow of a doubt. But mm-hmm. it's not always about putting your best position, uh, best players in the team. It's about building a team, and so that's the sort of interesting thing with Almiron. Um, I hope he finds a way back, and he's got that incredible, he's got that incredible pace, uh, which is you know to throw in the old horrible cliche you know people hate hate playing against that it has to have some sort of end product too he's done that this season so and i think chris would say this chris has said this um having that competition is a good thing not a bad thing and so um so that's the thing and in fact chris chris i should defer to chris really because um, yeah i was just about to do that actually when you stopped talking well you stopped talking (laughs) all right jesus christ well just play some guitar music and i'll stop yeah, Chris, you, you, you've just completed a piece on, on Almiron and also on the, the general direction of Steve Bruce's Newcastle as well, haven't you? So what what do you think about all this? Yeah, a couple of pieces this week. So the one about uh, the general direction, well, Steve Bruce said himself last week that it should be obvious what he's trying to do. So I went to the game right. on, on Saturday night and I tried to work out what it was he, he was trying to do because that's yep. been the, the company. He, he, got, he got quite angry last week. I don't think a lot mm. of his comments in public helped the situation because I think he created more confusion than anything really I don't think he added I don't think he, he clarified anything so I looked at it and it looks 
seemingly that he wants to play 4-2-3-1 now. I know there was a lot of stuff before the game where on Sky he said it's going to be a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it. And I know they're different formations, so that uh, <laughs> that, that creates a lot of consternation. A point that I raised in my piece is that, and maybe you couldn't see this on TV as well, and this was the same with Rafa Benitez as Newcastle is the same with a lot of teams who play a 4-2-3-1. In defence, it becomes a 4-4-2 most of the time. And that's what happened when, uh, essentially with Newcastle. So so basically, I looked at that. And so it's a 4-2-3-1. Seems to be, at least from the evidence of Saturday, what Steve Bruce wants to try and play, wants to try and develop. Now, obviously, on Saturday, that involved Jeff Hendrick on the right of the 3 behind the striker. It involved Joe Linton as the number 10. And he probably had one of his best games for Newcastle. Sam Maximan was on the left of that, but then switched to the number 10 early in the second half, and that's where the second goal came from. And so you're looking at it, and so where does Miguel Almiron necessarily fit into this? You've also got to remember that Ryan Fraser hasn't started a league game yet. And so basically in the piece, to sort of look at, well, what is the situation with Miguel Almiron? And there's a few people that almost fatalistic and saying this is the end of his Newcastle career. Now, I certainly don't think that, but I do think that this is almost... A challenge that's been laid down to him as in look you're, you for your first 18 months at Newcastle you've been guaranteed a place in the team now you're not now, now you need to to add that end product and for the first few games of the season whenever he's come on he's looked dangerous and he's contributed assists and his, his, his productivity in terms of creating chances is up significantly albeit on a it's just a small sampling that we've got there of that but seemingly he is adding more to that now at, at, at Spurs he was poor now the whole team was poor so now it's about going forward. Where does Almiron force his way into the team? Because you're gonna, because if you look at it, Wilson and Sam Maximum, when they're fit, they definitely play. So then there's two of the other offensive options, or Andy Carroll, who started the first two games of the season. Although I don't think we're likely to see much more of that, or Jeff Hendrick if he plays in that position. So I think it's about getting more end product from Miguel Almiron. He needs to. He's he's been consistent for the first 18 months. He was basically guaranteed his position, but there wasn't a great amount of end product. It was better in the first half of 2018 but now I think it's it's almost like a challenge set down to yeah. us you're going to have to contribute more if you're going to play and I think he rises a challenge I do think in some ways it, it, it may turn out to be clever man management but it's about him being consistent and really performing and, and contributing now What I will say lads and I've got a little bit of news for you all after Callum Wilson uh, kissed that camera following his penalty I'm now pregnant Alex Hurst uh, is with us and he is the chair of uh, the NUST and at the moment, we're in the lead-up to your uh, elections, Alex. Is that right? Do you want to explain to the listeners exactly what's going on with NUST at the minute? Yes, thanks, Taylor. We are committed to the current NUST board to annual elections. We're, we like new blood, new ideas. Uh, so we're expanding the, the current board of, of five of us to nine people. Um, very lucky to have 11 people have put themselves forward for election who want to be on the board and they have my immense gratitude because it's not easy to put yourself up in, in, a, in a public forum like this and ask people to vote for you. You know, only five of them will be successful out of 11. Um, and, you know, I'm not biased, but wow, what, what a, a tremendous set of Newcastle United fans who are, who are willing to, to step up and, and try and help lead the trust in, on the bigger and better things. The election, uh, I believe the voting process starts on Friday. So we're seeing a little boosting membership as, as I'm sure people get friends and family and, and, and anyone else they can to, to join up to vote because you must be a member to vote in the election before the election goes live this Friday and it's only £2 to join. 14,000 other people have, have joined in the last 18 months which has been great. So yeah, it's, a, it's an open democratic process. It's how we like to do things and we uh, we hope to beat last year's, you know, we had 3,000 people vote in the election last year, one of the biggest ever supporter elections in in English football, if not the biggest. 
Um, so I hope to beat that again because we've got about 5,000 extra members. So yeah, it, uh, it all kicks off this Friday. Fantastic stuff. So Alex, with the club going forward, obviously the relationship um, with the club is really important with what you guys do at the Trust. Obviously things were looking a little bit different in the summer. There was a potential of a new owner coming in and, and that's kind of fallen away, fallen by the wayside for now. What does the relationship with Mike Ashley's Newcastle United look like going forward for you guys? There is uh, there is a lot of work to be done and room for improvement from mm. our point of view. It, it's weird because everything kind of falls into this post-COVID Post lockdown world, and also with Newcastle post takeover failure world, the easiest way for me to answer that is of these kind of three, this triumvirate of of people in the takeover process. You had like Mike Ashley selling the club, Amanda Staveley's consortium, and the Premier League. Two of those three have formally spoken to the trust about what's going on in the takeover, and um, the the one who hasn't is Mike Ashley, Newcastle United. So that probably says a lot. But we we work closely with the club. Summer 19, over a new support engagement process, I went and met with Lee Charney to talk about the Trust's relationship with the club, and there were some really positive, I felt, positive promises made about how things would look. That was all in the pipeline, and then lockdown happened. We're really keen to see those realised, and we hope the club still are too, but it's it's not on us, unfortunately, to, 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 to make that happen. So I'm really hopeful that once we have a new board in place, that people at the club previously were, were very good with us, and... Lee Marshall, who's the support liaison officer, met with us um, with the first board that was put together, which was really good of him to give up his time like that on a, on I think, on a Tuesday evening or something mental. And we we only kept him for about three hours while we, you know, talked through <laughs> loads of different things about support communication in Cass United. So we're really hopeful we can kick that off again once the new board's in place. But uh, but again, it's not on on me. I can't make that happen. All I can do is continue to ask for these things. But would really like to see the club engage with the 14,000 members and therefore the wider fan base that there has been some dialogue with the club over the return to football the club spoke to us about pushing the petition that the club tweeted out this morning um, about the return to football because the Premier League the EFL and the FA are insistent that it's safe for fans to come back to football so there is a relationship there but would like to see it develop a lot more for the benefit of, of the members and the wider support. I mean, it's been an absolutely brilliant summer for the Trust and for Newcastle fans. It might not feel like it sometimes, but everybody wielded such power and showed that by coming together that things could happen and things could change and that fans aren't actually completely without influence and quite the opposite. And I do want to pay tribute to Alex because I think he's done an absolutely uh, fabulous job as chair of the Trust. But it's also about everybody joining together and and sort of helping to take it forward. I think it's incredibly encouraging seeing the people who've put themselves forward. I know some of them, really good people, really committed, dedicated fans, and the fact that people are actually willing to step forward, to get involved and to engage and to be part of this conversation is, 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 is just brilliant because it's exactly what the fan base needs. It's what the club needs. And I would... You know, I just hope that this this momentum can carry on, and it should do, because, to, to repeat, there is power in, in a union and there is power in coming together. And although we can't show our support inside the stadium at the minute, we can do other things to prove that we have a role to play. And, you know, we have to sort of... But you have to have that. You have to be willing to buy into that notion that together you're stronger than... You, you know, your voice is stronger than just one individual voice and it was proved it was proved so 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 well 
in the in the past few months and so yeah i'll urge everybody to to please have a look at the people who are standing and please vote and if you've not joined if you've not joined the trust yet please do it it's only a couple of quid and you have a say you have a say at the club that that we all love and despair of at uh, various points Yes, it makes sense. If you're a Newcastle United supporter, and you should be involved with the Supporters Trust in some way, shape or form. Chris, you've been getting involved, haven't you, as well with these elections? Uh, you're the election chair, I believe. Yes, I'm the independent chair. So essentially, uh, everyone emailed me who wanted to be a candidate and I sort of liaised with them. And then me and a, and a couple of other people on the uh, election committee, essentially, are just trying to oversee it to make sure... That, uh, that they are independent and that basically uh, it's all done in a, in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. So yes, I am. Uh, it's been an honour to be involved. I mean, very feel very privileged to have been involved. And the election starts on 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 Friday, as Alex mentioned. If anyone wants to to be a member, become a member who's not a member, midnight on Thursday is the deadline. So that's Thursday the eighth, which is the day that this podcast will come out. So midnight tonight, essentially, if you want to be to become a member and then vote in the election, which then runs for a week. Well, lads, thank you very much for your time. We are going to wrap it up there. Alex, thank you very much for coming on again, mate. It's always nice to hear your voice and always nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, lads. No problem. Welcome back anytime, mate. George, Chris, thank you very much, as always. I, just, I said this before, Cheers. there's absolutely no point. There's no point thanking me because uh, we don't really have much choice. <laughs> Hey, by all means, mate, if you want to jump ship and go to some other two-bit podcast, feel free. (laughs) Thanks very much for listening, ladies and gents. It's absolutely lovely to have you joining us yet again for another Pod on the Time. Of course, you can read all of the pieces that George and Chris have been talking about if you go on www.theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. You can take up the £1 a month offer that we are currently running, uh, which is a fantastic deal. A pound a month. You kind of get anything for a pound a month these days. So definitely have a look at that. www.theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle Pod. We'll be back next week with more nonsense. Uh, Look after yourselves. Take care and we shall see you very, very soon. Bye bye. Thank you.